0: section nine of the green fairy book this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by james o'connor the green fairy book by andrew lang prince narcissus and the princess potentilla once upon a time there lived a king and queen who though it is a very long while since they died were much the same in their tastes and pursuits as people nowadays the king who was called cloverleaf liked hunting better than anything else but he nevertheless bestowed as much care upon his kingdom as he felt equal to that is to say he never made an end of folding and unfolding the state documents as to the queen she had once been very pretty and she liked to believe that she was so still which is of course always made quite easy for queens her name was frivola and her one occupation in life was the pursuit of amusement balls masquerades and picnics followed one another in rapid succession as fast as she could arrange them you may imagine that under these circumstances the kingdom was somewhat neglected. As a matter of fact, if anyone had a fancy for a town or a province, he helped himself to it. But as long as the king had his horses and dogs, and the queen her musicians and her actors, they did not trouble themselves about the matter. King Cloverleaf and Queen Fervola had but one child, and this princess had from her very babyhood been so beautiful that by the time she was four years old the queen was desperately jealous of her and so fearful that when she was grown up she would be more admired than herself that she resolved to keep her hidden away out of sight to this end she caused a little house to be built not far beyond the palace gardens on the bank of a river this was surrounded by a high wall and in it the charming potentilla was imprisoned her nurse who was dumb took care of her and the necessaries of life were conveyed to her through a little window in the wall while guards were always pacing to and fro outside with orders to cut off the head of any one who tried to approach which they would certainly have done without thinking twice about it the queen told everyone with much pretend sorrow that the princess was so ugly and so troublesome and altogether so impossible to love that to keep her out of sight was the only thing that could be done for her and this tale she repeated so often that at last the whole court believed it things were in this state and the princess was about fifteen years old when prince narcissus attracted by the report of queen frivola's gay doings presented himself at the court he was not much older than the princess and was as handsome a prince as you would see in a day's journey and really for his age not so very scatterbrained his parents were a king and queen whose story you will perhaps read some day they died almost at the same time leaving their kingdom to the eldest of their children and commending their youngest son prince narcissus to the care of the fairy melanette IN THIS THEY DID VERY WELL FOR HIM, FOR THE FAIRY WAS AS KIND AS SHE WAS POWERFUL, AND SHE SPARED NO PAINS IN TEACHING THE LITTLE PRINCE EVERYTHING IT WAS GOOD FOR HIM TO KNOW, AND EVEN IMPARTED TO HIM SOME OF HER OWN FAIRY LORE. BUT AS SOON AS HE WAS GROWN UP, SHE SENT HIM OUT TO SEE THE WORLD FOR HIMSELF, THOUGH ALL THE TIME SHE WAS SECRETLY KEEPING WATCH OVER HIM, READY TO HELP IN ANY TIME OF NEED. Before he started, she gave him a ring, which would render him invisible when he put it on his finger. These rings seem to be quite common. You must often have heard of them, even if you have never seen one. It was in the course of the prince's wanderings, in search of experience of men and things, that he came to the court of Queen Frivola, where he was extremely well received. The queen was delighted with him, so were all her ladies, and the king was very polite to him, though he did not see why the whole court was making such a fuss over him. Prince Narcissus enjoyed all that went on, and found the time pass very pleasantly. Before long, of course, he heard the story about the princess potentilla, and as it had by that time been repeated many times, and had been added to here and there, she was represented as such a monster of ugliness that he was really quite curious to see her and resolved to avail himself of the magic power of his ring to accomplish his design. So he made himself invisible and passed the guard without there so much as suspecting that anyone was near. Climbing the wall was rather a difficulty but when he at length found himself inside it He was charmed with the peaceful beauty of the little domain it enclosed, and still more delighted when he perceived a slender, lovely maiden wandering among the flowers. It was not until he had sought vainly for the imaginary monster that he realized that this was the princess herself, and by that time he was deeply in love with her, for indeed it would have been hard to find anyone prettier than Potentilla, as she sat by the brook weaving a garland of blue forget-me-nots to crown her waving golden locks, or to imagine anything more gentle than the way she tended all the birds and beasts who inhabited her small kingdom, and who all loved and followed her. Prince Narcissus watched her every movement, and hovered near her in a dream of delight, not daring as yet to appear to her, so humble had he suddenly become in her presence. And when evening came and the nurse fetched the princess into her little house, he felt obliged to go back to Frivola's palace for fear his absence should be noticed and someone should discover his new treasure. But he forgot that to go back absent and dreamy and indifferent when he had before been gay and ardent about everything was the surest way of awakening suspicion. And when in response to the jesting questions, Which were put to him upon the subject, he only blushed and returned evasive answers. All the ladies were certain that he had lost his heart and did their utmost to discover who was the happy possessor of it. As to the prince, he was becoming day by day more attached to Potentilla, and his one thought was to attend her, always invisible, and help her in everything she did and provide her with everything that could possibly amuse or please her and the princess who had learnt to find diversion in very small things in her quiet life was in a continual state of delight over the treasures which the prince constantly laid where she must find them then narcissus implored his faithful friend melanette to send the princess such dreams of him as should make her recognize him as a friend When he actually appeared before her eyes and this device was so successful that the princess quite dreaded the cessation of these amusing dreams in which a certain prince narcissus was such a delightful lover and companion after that he went a step further and began to have long talks with the princess still however keeping himself invisible until she begged him so earnestly to appear to her, that he could no longer resist. And after making a promise, that no matter what he was like, she would still love him, he drew the ring from his finger. And the princess saw with delight that he was as handsome as he was agreeable. Now, indeed, they were perfectly happy, and they passed the whole long summer day in Potentilla's favorite place by the brook. AND WHEN AT LAST PRINCE Narcissus HAD TO LEAVE HER, IT SEEMED TO THEM BOTH THAT THE HOURS HAD GONE BY WITH THE MOST AMAZING SWIFTNESS. THE PRINCESS STAYED WHERE SHE WAS, DREAMING OF HER DELIGHTFUL PRINCE, AND NOTHING COULD HAVE BEEN FURTHER FROM HER THOUGHTS THAN ANY TROUBLE OR MISFORTUNE, WHEN SUDDENLY, IN A CLOUD OF DUST AND SHAVINGS, BY CAME THE ENCHANTER GRUMADAN and unluckily he chanced to catch sight of potentilla. Down he came straight away, and alighted at her feet, and one look at her charming blue eyes and smiling lips quite decided him that he must appear to her at once, though he was rather annoyed to remember that he had on only his second-best cloak. The princess sprang to her feet with a cry of terror at this sudden apparition, for really the enchanter was no beauty. To begin with, he was very big and clumsy. Then he had but one eye, and his teeth were long, and he stammered badly. Nevertheless, he had an excellent opinion of himself, and mistook the princess's cry of terror for an exclamation of delighted surprise. After pausing a moment to give her time to admire him, the enchanter made her the most complimentary speech he could invent, which, however, did not please her at all though he was extremely delighted with it himself poor potentilla only shuddered and cried oh where is my narcissus to which he replied with a self-satisfied chuckle you want a narcissus madam well they are not rare you shall have as many as you like whereupon he waved his wand and the princess found herself surrounded and half buried in the fragrant flowers she would certainly have betrayed that this was not the kind of narcissus she wanted but for the fairy melinette who had been anxiously watching the interview and now thought it quite time to interfere assuming the prince's voice she whispered in potentilla's ear we are menaced by a great danger but my only fear is for you my princess therefore i beg you to hide what you really feel WE WILL HOPE THAT SOME WAY OUT OF THE DIFFICULTY MAY PRESENT ITSELF. THE PRINCESS WAS MUCH AGITATED BY THIS SPEECH, AND FEARED lest THE ENCHANTER SHOULD HAVE OVERHEARD IT, BUT HE HAD BEEN LOUDLY CALLING HER ATTENTION TO THE FLOWERS, AND CHUCKLING OVER HIS OWN SMARTNESS IN GETTING THEM FOR HER, AND IT WAS RATHER A BLOW TO HIM WHEN SHE SAID VERY COLDLY THAT THEY WERE NOT THE SORT SHE PREFERRED, AND SHE WOULD BE GLAD IF HE WOULD SEND THEM ALL AWAY this he did but afterwards wished to kiss the princess's hand as a reward for having been so obliging but the fairy melinette was not going to allow anything of that kind she appeared suddenly in all her splendor and cried stay grumadan this princess is under my protection and the smallest impertinence will cost you a thousand years of captivity if you can win potentilla's heart by the ordinary methods I cannot oppose you but i warn you that i will not put up with any of your usual tricks this declaration was not at all to the enchanter's taste but he knew that there was no help for it and that he would have to behave well and pay the princess all the delicate attentions he could think of though they were not at all the sort of thing he was used to however he decided that to win such a beauty It was quite worthwhile, and Melanette, feeling that she could now leave the princess in safety, hurried off to tell Prince Narcissus what was going forward. Of course, at the very mention of the enchanter as a rival, he was furious, and I don't know what foolish things he would not have done if Melanette had not been there to calm him down. She represented to him what a powerful enchanter Grumadan was, and how if he were provoked he might avenge himself upon the princess since he was the most unjust and churlish of all the enchanters and had often before had to be punished by the fairy queen for some of his ill deeds once he had been imprisoned in a tree and was only released when it was blown down by a furious wind another time he was condemned to stay under a big stone at the bottom of a river "'until by some chance the stone should be turned over. "'But nothing could ever really improve him. "'The fairy finally made Narcissa's promise "'that he would remain invisible when he was with the princess, "'since she felt sure that this would make things easier for all of them. "'Then began a struggle between Ramadan and the prince, "'the latter under the name of Melanette, "'as to which could best delight and divert the princess.' and win her approbation prince narcissus first made friends with all the birds in potentilla's little domain and taught them to sing her name and her praises with all their sweetest trills and most touching melodies and all day long to tell her how dearly he loved her grumadan thereupon declared that there was nothing new about that since the birds had sung since the world began all lovers had imagined that they sang for them alone therefore he said he would himself write an opera that should be absolutely a novelty and something worth hearing when the time came for the performance which lasted five weary hours the princess found to her dismay that the opera consisted of this more than indifferent verse chanted with all their might by ten thousand frogs admiral potentilla Bremen, do you think it kind or wise in this sudden way to kill a poor enchanter with your eyes bremit, bremit. really if narcissus had not been there to whisper in her ear and divert her attention i don't know what would have become of poor potentilla for though the first repetition of this absurdity amused her faintly she nearly died of weariness before the time was over Luckily, Grumadan did not perceive this, as he was too much occupied in whipping up the frogs, many of whom perished miserably from fatigue, since he did not allow them to rest for a moment. The prince's next idea for Potentilla's amusement was to cause a fleet of boats, exactly like those of Cleopatra, of which you have doubtless read in history, to come up the little river, and upon the most gorgeously decorated of these reclined the great queen herself, who, as soon as she reached the palace where Potentilla sat in rapt attention, stepped majestically on shore, and presented the princess with that celebrated pearl of which you have heard so much, saying, You are more beautiful than I ever was. Let my example warn you to make a better use of your beauty. And then the little fleet sailed on until it was lost to view in the windings of the river. Ramadan was also looking on at the spectacle, and said very contemptuously, Cannot say I think these marionettes amusing. What a to-do to make over a single pearl. But if you like pearls, madam, why, I will soon gratify you. So saying, he drew a whistle from his pocket, and no sooner had he blown it, THEN THE PRINCESS SAW THE WATER OF THE RIVER BUBBLE AND GROW MUDDY, AND IN ANOTHER INSTANT UP CAME HUNDREDS OF THOUSANDS OF GREAT OYSTERS, WHO CLIMBED SLOWLY AND LABORIOUSLY TOWARDS HER, AND LAID AT HER FEET ALL THE PEARLS THEY CONTAINED. THESE ARE WHAT I CALL PEARLS, CRIED GRUMMADAN IN HIGH GLEE, AND TRULY THERE WERE ENOUGH OF THEM TO PAVE EVERY PATH IN POTENTILLA'S GARDEN AND LEAVE SOME TO SPARE the next day prince narcissus had prepared for the princess's pleasure a charming arbor of leafy branches with couches of moss and grassy floor and garlands everywhere with her name written in different colored blossoms here he caused a dainty little banquet to be set forth while hidden musicians played softly and the silvery fountains flashed down into their marble basins and when presently the music stopped A single nightingale broke the stillness with his delicious chant. "'Ah!' cried the princess, recognizing the voice of one of her favorites. "'Philomel, my sweet one, who taught you that new song?' And he answered, "'Love, my princess!' Meanwhile the enchanter was very ill-pleased with the entertainment, which he declared was dullness itself you don't seem to have any idea in these pots beyond little squeaking birds said he and fancy giving a banquet without so much as an ounce of plate so the next day when the princess went out into her garden there stood a summer-house built of solid gold decorated within and without with her initials and the enchanters combined and in it was spread an enormous repast while the table so glittered with golden cups and plates, flagons and dishes, candlesticks, and a hundred other things beside, that it was hardly possible to look steadily at it. The enchanter ate like six ogres, but the princess could not touch a morsel. Presently Grumadan remarked with a grin, I have provided neither musicians nor singers, but as you seem fond of music, I will sing to you myself whereupon he began with a voice like a screech owl's to chant the words of his opera only this time happily not at such a length and without the frog accompaniment after this the prince again asked the aid of his friends the birds and when they had assembled from all the country round he tied about the neck of each one a tiny lamp of some brilliant colour and when darkness fell he made them go through a hundred pretty tricks before the delighted Potentilla, who clapped her little hands with delight when she saw her own name traced in points of light against the dark trees, or when the whole flock of sparks grouped themselves into bouquets of different colors, like living flowers. Grimedon, leaning back in his armchair, with one knee crossed over the other and his nose in the air, looked on disdainfully oh if you like fireworks princess said he and the next night all the will of the wisps in the country came and danced on the plain which could be seen from the princess's windows and as she was looking out and rather enjoying the sight up sprang a frightful volcano pouring out smoke and flames which terrified her greatly to the intense amusement of the enchanter who laughed like a pack of wolves quarrelling after this as many of the will of the wisps as could get in crowded into potentilla's garden and by their light the tall yew trees danced minuets until the princess was weary and begged to be excused from looking at anything more that night but in spite of potentilla's efforts to behave politely to the tiresome old enchanter whom she detested he could not help seeing That he failed to please her and then he began to suspect very strongly that she must love someone else and that somebody besides melanette was responsible for all the festivities he had witnessed so after much consideration he devised a plan for finding out the truth he went to the princess suddenly and announced that he was most unwillingly forced to leave her and had come to bid her farewell Potentilla could scarcely hide her delight when she heard this, and his back was hardly turned before she was entreating Prince Narcissus to make himself visible once more. The poor prince had been getting quite thin with anxiety and annoyance, and was only too delighted to comply with her request. They greeted one another rapturously, and were just sitting down to talk over everything cozily and enjoy the enchanter's discomfiture together when out he burst in a fury from behind a bush with his huge club he aimed a terrific blow at narcissus which must certainly have killed him but for the adroitness of the fairy Melinette, who arrived upon the scene just in time to snatch him up and carry him off at lightning speed to her castle in the air poor potentilla however had not the comfort of knowing this for at the sight of the enchanter threatening her beloved prince she had given one shriek and fallen back insensible when she recovered her senses she was more than ever convinced that he was dead since even Melinette was no longer near her and no one was left to defend her from the odious old enchanter to make matters worse he seemed to be in a very bad temper and came blustering and raging at the poor princess i'll tell you what it is madam said he whether you love this whipper-snapper prince or not doesn't matter in the least you are going to marry me so you may as well make up your mind to it and i am going away this very minute to make all the arrangements but in case you should get into any mischief in my absence i think i had better put you to sleep so saying he waved his wand over her, and in spite of her utmost efforts to keep awake she sank into a profound and dreamless slumber as he wished to make what he considered a suitable entry into the king's palace he stepped outside the princess's little domain and mounted upon an immense chariot with great solid wheels and shafts like the trunk of an oak tree but all of solid gold this was drawn with great difficulty by forty-eight strong oxen and the enchanter reclined at his ease leaning upon his huge club and holding carelessly upon his knee a tawny african lion as if it had been a little lap-dog it was about seven o'clock in the morning when this extraordinary chariot reached the palace gates and the king was already astir and about to set off on a hunting expedition as for the queen she had only just gone off into her first sleep and it would have been a bold person indeed ventured to wake her the king was greatly annoyed at having to stay and see a visitor at such a time and pulled off his hunting boots again with many grimaces meantime the enchanter was stumping about in the hall crying where is the king let him be told that i must see him and his wife also the king who was listening at the top of the staircase thought this was not very polite however he took counsel with his favorite huntsman and following his advice presently went down to see what was wanted of him he was struck with astonishment at the sight of the chariot and was gazing at it when the enchanter strode up to him exclaiming shake hands cloverleaf old fellow don't you know me no i can't say i do replied the king somewhat embarrassed why i am grumadan the enchanter said he and i am come to make your fortune let us come in and talk things over a bit thereupon he ordered the oxen to go about their business and they bounded off like stags and were out of sight in a moment then with one blow of his club he changed the massive chariot into a perfect mountain of gold pieces those are for your lackeys said he to the king that they may drink my health naturally a great scramble ensued and at last the laughter and shouting awoke the queen who rang for her maids to ask the reason of such an unwonted hurly-burly when they said that a visitor was asking for her and then proceeded each one to tell breathlessly a different tale of wonder in which she could only distinguish the words oxen gold club giant lion she thought they were all out of their minds MEANWHILE THE KING WAS ASKING THE ENCHANTER TO WHAT HE WAS INDEBTED FOR THE HONOR OF THIS VISIT, AND ON HIS REPLYING THAT HE WOULD NOT SAY UNTIL THE QUEEN WAS ALSO PRESENT, MESSENGER AFTER MESSENGER WAS DISPATCHED TO HER TO BEG HER IMMEDIATE ATTENDANCE, BUT FRIVOLA WAS IN A VERY BAD HUMOR AT HAVING BEEN SO UNCEREMONIOUSLY AWAKENED, AND DECLARED THAT SHE HAD A PAIN IN HER LITTLE FINGER, AND THAT NOTHING SHOULD INDUCE HER TO COME when the enchanter heard this he insisted that she must come take my club to her majesty said he and tell her that if she smells the end of it she will find it wonderfully reviving so four of the king's strongest men-at-arms staggered off with it and after some persuasion the queen consented to try this novel remedy she had hardly smelt it for an instant when she declared herself to be perfectly restored but whether that was due to the scent of the wood or to the fact that as soon as she touched it out fell a perfect shower of magnificent jewels i leave you to decide at any rate she was now all eagerness to see the mysterious stranger and hastily throwing on her royal mantle popped her second best diamond crown over her nightcap put a liberal dab of rouge upon each cheek and holding up her largest fan before her nose for she was not used to appearing in broad daylight she went mincing into the great hall the enchanter waited until the king and queen had seated themselves upon their throne and then taking his place between them he began solemnly my name is grumadon i am an extremely well connected enchanter my power is immense in spite of all this the charms of your daughter potentilla have so fascinated me that i cannot live without her she fancies that she loves a certain contemptible puppy called narcissus but i have made very short work with him i really do not care whether you consent to my marriage with your daughter or not but i am bound to ask your consent on account of a certain meddling fairy called melanette with whom i have reason for wishing to keep on good terms the king and queen were somewhat embarrassed to know what answer to make to this terrible suitor but at last they asked for time to talk over the matter since they said their subjects might think that the heir to the throne should not be married with as little consideration as a dairy maid oh take a day or two if you like said the enchanter But in the meantime, I am going to send for your daughter. Perhaps you will be able to induce her to be reasonable. So saying, he drew out his favorite whistle and blew one ear piercing note. Whereupon the great lion, who had been dozing in the sunny courtyard, came bounding in on his soft, heavy feet. Orion, said the enchanter, go and fetch me the princess and bring her here at once. Be gentle now. At these words Orion went off at a great pace, and was soon at the other end of the king's gardens, scattering the guards right and left. He cleared the wall at a bound, and seizing the sleeping princess, he threw her on to his back, where he kept her by holding her robe in his teeth. Then he trotted gently back, and in less than five minutes stood in the great hall before the astonished king and queen the enchanter held his club close to the princess's charming little nose whereupon she woke up and shrieked with terror at finding herself in a strange place with the detested grumadan frivola who had stood by stiff with displeasure at the sight of the lovely princess now stepped forward and with much pretend concern proposed to carry off potentilla to her own apartments that she might enjoy the quiet she seemed to need really her one idea was to let the princess be seen by as few people as possible so throwing a veil over her head she led her away and locked her up securely all this time prince narcissus gloomy and despairing was kept a prisoner by melanette in her castle in the air and in spite of all the splendor by which he was surrounded and all the pleasures which he might have enjoyed his one thought was to get back to potentilla the fairy however left him there promising to do her very best for him and commanding all her swallows and butterflies to wait upon him and do his bidding one day as he paced sadly to and fro he thought he heard a voice he knew calling to him and sure enough there was the faithful philomel potentilla's favorite who told him all that had passed and how the sleeping princess had been carried off by the lion to the great grief of all her four-footed and feathered subjects and how not knowing what to do he had wandered about until he heard the swallows telling one another of the prince who was in their airy castle and had come to see if it could be narcissus the prince was more distracted than ever and tried vainly to escape from the castle by leaping from the roof into the clouds but every time they caught him and rolling softly up brought him back to the place from which he started so at last he gave up the attempt and waited with desperate patience for the return of melanette meanwhile matters were advancing rapidly in the court of king cloverleaf for the queen quite made up her mind that such a beauty as potentilla must be got out of the way as quickly as possible, so she sent for the Enchanter secretly, and after making him promise that he would never turn herself and King Cloverleaf out of their kingdom, and that he would take Potentilla far away, so that never again might she set eyes upon her, she arranged the wedding for the next day but one. You may imagine how Potentilla lamented her sad fate, and entreated to be spared all the comfort she could get out of frivola was that if she preferred a cup of poison to a rich husband she would certainly provide her with one when then the fatal day came the unhappy potentilla was led into the great hall between the king and queen the latter wild with envy at the murmurs of admiration which rose on all sides at the loveliness of the princess an instant later in came grumadan by the opposite door his hair stood on end and he wore a huge bag purse and a cravat tied in a bow his mantle was made of a shower of silver coins with a lining of rose color and his delight at his own appearance knew no bounds that any princess could prefer a cup of poison to himself never for an instant occurred to him nevertheless that was what did happen For when Queen Frivola, in jest, held out the fatal cup to the princess, she took it eagerly, crying, "Ah, beloved Narcissus, I come to thee," and was just raising it to her lips when the window of the great hall burst open, and the fairy Melanette floated in upon a glowing sunset cloud, followed by the prince himself. All the court looked on in dazzled surprise, while Potentilla, catching sight of her lover, dropped the cup, and ran joyfully to meet him. The enchanter's first thought was to defend himself when he saw Melanette appear, but she slipped round his blind side, and catching him by the eyelashes, dragged him off to the ceiling of the hall, where she held him kicking for a while, just to give him a lesson, and then touching him with her wand, she imprisoned him for a thousand years in a crystal ball which hung from the roof. Let this teach you to mind what I tell you another time, she remarked severely. Then, turning to the king and queen, she begged them to proceed with the wedding, since she had provided a much more suitable bridegroom. She also deprived them of their kingdom, for they had really shown themselves unfit to manage it, and bestowed it upon the prince and princess, who, though they were unwilling to take it, no choice but to obey the fairy. However, they took care that the king and queen were always supplied with everything they could wish for. Prince Narcissus and Princess Potentilla lived long and happily, beloved by all their subjects. As for the enchanter, I don't believe he has been let out yet. La Princess Pimprinella a Le Prince Romarin end of section nine of the green fairy book prince narcissus and the princess potentilla recording by james o'connor randolph massachusetts december two thousand ten